The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Disneyland is Mecca for unadjusted adults. (laughs) That's why kids go missing there. Uh, Next question. And if King James was good enough for the disciples, it's good enough for me. (laughs) Josh hasn't heard those series of jokes yet. So I've recently been reading Ezekiel. Don't because no, don't do this. I'm gonna because I'm bored. Welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is I'm Joel, and to my left. I am Joshua, and to my left is Caleb. It's me again. I'm, like, re- I'm really loving the posture you're starting out with this podcast. <laughs> uh, Josh is breaking his back because he wants to really lie down. He's like, what are you uh, talking about? I'm lounging. Yeah, We're so, a relaxing podcast now. Yeah, really? Yeah. I don't feel relaxed. I got new, you don't have your feet up. I got um, a new couch, so it's a little bit longer. My sister has the exact same couch. Cool. It's, it's a great couch. I slept on it many couch. times. Yeah. It's um, got a little like a uh, covered area underneath where you can store stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Your selling point for this couch is there is an underside. <laughs> There's storage underneath where I'm sitting. There's a whole. Yeah. This whole thing is hollow. Yeah. Normal couches are full. No, the best part of this couch <laughs> is that it pulls out, turns into a bed. <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, Joel, what do we do on the internet? What does Second Rate Saints I do? We, we do anything else? We do couch reviews. <laughs> We do uh, your general lounging and luxury reviews. <laughs> no, we uh, <laughs> we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us with uh, longer form comments, uh, get us at secondratesaints at gmail dot com. Yeah, just keep an eye out for uh, some of the different projects we're starting up and continuing to do our, our book reviews, our blogs, uh, things like this. Um, hopefully. Yeah, someone finds some value in those things because, uh, you know, I've enjoyed our blog post thus far. Um, now, just recently, there's, there's been a, a tragedy. Um, uh, Caleb read a book and he won't shut up about it. <laughs> hey, so <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Well, he but just read it. Yeah. We're letting him talk about it. He there's just a- read it just before the podcast started. <laughs> anyway, I was searching for a quote, and they were like, hurry up, Caleb, hurry up, Caleb, hurry up, Caleb. And so now I'm going to paraphrase the quote. Quote? quote? Uh, paraphrase the quote. Anyway. It's a jacket. Um, so I read a book. Um, <clears throat> the uh, My priest is telling me to read through this guy's works. So Richard Hooker, English ref- reformer, late reformer. Um, he has a four sermons that were compiled into a singular work. The work is called uh, A Learned Discourse on Justification. And so it comes about in late 1500s. He makes an offhanded comment. He was preaching in the morning and then a more Puritan leaning, a more Presbyterian leaning um, dude preached in the afternoon, the evening service. And he made an offhanded comment originally. It all comes out of an offhanded comment in the morning when he was like, hey, so like, you know, our fathers, though, were saved by Christ, even though they were unlike, under like a very, let's say, oppressive and like not accurate understanding of the gospel at all and heretical understanding of justification. Um, they're saved by grace through faith. Um, ultimately, it's Jesus who saves, not our understanding of justification. Mm-hmm. Right? 
he made this offhanded comment. And there's there had been a, a, a like the English Civil War is is um, like brought on by that Presbyterian, not Presbyterian, by that Puritan, which would become Presbyterianism, mm-hmm. and uh, Anglican divide, right? How reformed is the Anglican church going to be, right? And all that's developing. And so there's already a rift, and this is when the rift just occurs, right? So he mentions this in the morning. The guy preaches at night, preaches against him. The next Sunday, he preaches. Oh, he's like, okay, fine. I'm going to explain myself. This is, I'm not saying that, like, we can just have whatever theory of justification. I'm not being sympathetic towards the Catholic position on this. And so it goes on for about four, like four Sundays in a row. And then they, some, uh, the bishops step in, stop it, whatever. Um, Hooker's position ends up being ratified and the other guy is, is pushed to the side. But in the process, and then he compiles his sermons, in the process, what he does is he, he gets very particular with where do the Protestants disagree and why with Catholics and why we can still say that, yes, some of them are still certainly saved and why we can still call it a church. Yeah. Um, and so he, he, it comes like a breath of fresh air to be honest with you. Cause there's so many times just at the same time during in the, just like in the reformation it is now people will be like, well, can Catholics be saved? Are Catholics saved? How can they be saved? All this kind of stuff. And he's very sober minded about it. He's very good at looking at both sides and being like, okay, I, I agree with the Protestant position, but also that, that, and that, that is a straw man. Mm-hmm. Then he looks at the Catholics and go, yeah, your critique is wrong because of these reasons. But also, your, this presupposition here just is a fundamentally, what, what he would use is actually, a, um, you can make errors not related to justification in of itself that have implications on justification. And so he calls them like uh, your denial by consequence, mm. not direct denial of the gospel. And he makes a big distinction. That's, he has, he's, he's pretty good at presenting a framework, showing you a case study, and then how, showing you how that applies. Um, I'd super recommend it. I've already recommended it to Joel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, it's only 80 pages. Um, the best quote in it is his... Uh, we are not saved by, I'm going to paraphrase here. Um, we are not saved by our understanding of justification, but we're saved by Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's solid. Um, yeah. In the modern, re, in the modern, uh, like quote unquote translation, he legitimately calls it a translation, the, the mm-hmm. editors, because mm-hmm. the old English is rough. He's writing it at the same time as Shakespeare's writing. Oh, um, yeah. On the other side of the River Times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Thames, sorry. Um, hmm. I highly recommend it. Hmm. I'll have to give it a read. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, the schism wasn't one and done. Mm-hmm. You know, we we are still negotiating kind of parameters um, for what we look like as mm-hmm. as individualized uh, parts in the body of Christ. That's well, and es- especially as being part of like because he's Anglican, especially being part of a one of the Reformed traditions that is that holds on to a lot more of its Catholic heritage, mm. right? Where do they find that balance, right? Yeah. And, and how do they identify themselves as being the Catholic Church reformed? Yeah. Rather than just being 
a reformed church, that's mm-hmm. all, or just snapping back into Catholicism, or do they are they Catholicism just without the Pope? Because they would say, well, no, that's also a mischaracterization. And yeah. so it's it's if you want to understand a more robust and a more particular um, view of that issue, mm-hmm. he's great, and it's short. Yeah. No, it doesn't look like a, a long book. Would you say it was less than 100 pages or just yeah, over? less than 100 pages. I have a little review on it on the book review section, but okay. I'd like to I'd like to make a blog post on it. Um, mm. All of this is on our website. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And if you were to make a blog post, would you how what other resources would you pull in? Um, or would you mostly just do a review of that specific book? I would I would review his argument. Okay. Um and then I would probably just conclude with why I I heavily sympathize with his argument. Okay. Um, I think it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, his, it always drove me nuts. The stuff of like, like you see Catholics and Orthodox do the whole, like there's only one true church, right? And we're in, we are the church and to deny this authority structure is to deny mm-hmm. um, the salvation that is located within it. Catholics less so after Vatican II, even though they're, um, Previous councils within Roman Catholicism have made that explicitly clear. So they got some problems to sort out there. Orthodox are like leaning into that hard now. Um, and I think it's costing them, to be honest with you. Um, and he's his whole thing is just, where do you get that a concept of salvation? Where is that? Mm-hmm. No. And, and, his, and part of it, too, is his whole like, how do you articulate heresy? So let's say orthodoxy, heterodoxy, and heresy. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, his work would be a great introduction into like a historical foundation of coming up with that uh, theological triage of like primary issues, secondary issues, tertiary issues of where can we argue, where can we f- like, what's worth fighting about? Mm-hmm. And he's very good at saying, no, this is worth fighting about. Mm-hmm. But let's not think that they're not Christians. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I've just started now his... Uh, um, laws of ecclesiastical polity, which is very interesting. Super boring, but very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, the The mm-hmm. subtitle of the newest of the of the first book is uh, "When Reform Becomes Revolution." Mm-hmm. So I'm very interested. Oh, but I'm sorry, I have talked about Richard Hooker enough. Yeah, <laughs> terrible name, by the way. Yeah, just doesn't age well. Yeah, um, Joel, yeah. what are we doing? I don't know. Uh, just hanging out. No. Um, in a way, we are just hanging out because we're doing what's called a thoughts in real time episode. Ooh. And they're becoming more frequent, but I also enjoy them a lot. I feel like it's... Uh, now, of course, our listeners will never hear, hear this, but our practice episodes from when we were first starting the podcast mm-hmm. felt a lot more like thoughts in real time episodes. And so to me, it feels like a return to form. But in actuality, we're doing something different than we used to. <laughs> um yeah. So I'm going to start off with uh, a couple of different questions. Um, first, I'm, I'm going to start off with a, a top fan question because I think it's uh, a healthy habit to have uh, you know people who have routinely interacted with the podcast yep. um, come first in thoughts in real time. I think that's completely fair. Um, <clears throat> here's the question. Just reread the book of Hosea under the context of it being a love letter from God to Israel. Certainly not a traditional take, but I see it. Any thoughts on this? For context, I don't remember who, but someone pointed out this perspective and encouraged me to read it this way. 
So for those of you who don't know uh, what the book of Hosea is, I'm talking to the members of the podcast who got it wrong in the uh, naming yeah, the books of the Bible. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, only only somewhat. Yeah, only somewhat kidding. Phyllis um, and Joel. Hosea. So he has, um, I don't remember, Gomer. Yeah. Oh, Gomer do you also Hosea. forget what happens in the book of Isaiah? No, I was trying to remember if Jezreel was the son or the wife, and it's mm. Gomer that's the wife. Yes. The idea is that Hosea got um, a word from the Lord to um, marry this woman, and she was a prostitute um, by trade, it seems, and uh, would routinely leave him. And he had a few children who he didn't know if they were his, and he named them as such. And uh, what God called him to do was to continue to marry um, this woman over and over again until she stayed with him. Um, so I guess what our, our top fan is pointing out is, is the clear analogy between Gomer being unfaithful and the nation of Israel being unfaithful, and God continuously buying them back, continuously bringing them back into the fold. Um, should that letter, not letter, should that minor prophet, prof, minor prophet be read in the love letter concept? As a love letter. Um, like, not as, a, not as a love letter in the way that the audience member is thinking, like, hey, I love you. Like, and here's all the reasons why, like you would send to somebody. It's more of a, like a description of God's love through yeah. an image presented in this prophet's life. Instead of a, the message being a verbal message to somebody, it's a, it's a message acted out like Isaiah's message when he's lying on his side for the long period of time. Or when Jeremiah eats the scroll, that's the, the, the action that the prophet does is the image is the is the prof the prophetic image not just the words he speaks so what i would relate this situation mm -hmm. to is actually something closer to abraham sacrificing isaac okay because what it's doing is it's placing god um the the emotion or the experience that god would have mm -hmm. um on the prophet or the one who hears from god um and then seeing that acted out in a interpersonal connection. So, yeah. and, and what I mean by that is Hosea standing in the place of God, um, in this analogy, repeatedly redeems Gomer. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the story of Abraham, Abraham is willing to lay down his son, um, yeah. to be a sacrifice. Now, another way to look at this rather than an analogy for everyone else to see, it is God's closeness to his prophet being that he shares the feeling, the intimate feeling of this action that God is, is forced to perform himself. Uh, whether you say forced to perform, I, that'll get into weird atonement stuff. Chooses, but same, chooses to perform. Um, Based off his contract that he willingly entered in with his people. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not that it's not that the prophet or Abraham is an in, is stands in for the same way that Christ does. That's not quite it. A typology. Um, it's typology, mm -hmm. it's a, it's yeah. A, it's a typology until the actual type comes. Mm. The yeah. ec the four echoes. Yes. Yeah, I don't think we've used the word typology since you were on the podcast last. Oh. <laughs> I guess that's not fair to say because there might be other episodes before this. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> there certainly are, but I mean, <laughs> my favorite part of these episodes. Uh, do we feel like we've answered that question? I, I don't know how I feel about that question because it's vague enough. Here's the thing. I like the guy who said it. I think in the emails that he sent us and the dialogue that we've had with him, um, I know he's not, his hermeneutic in reading is good. But I also feel like if you were to walk up to someone in just in whatever church and just say, hey, uh, read this as a love letter, eh, would you? I don't know if everyone's going to do that healthily. Well, because well, you have to explain the whole image mm-hmm. presented. Yeah. But I think like, that that image is, you know, part of the story. So you can kind of just say, yeah. read it. Yeah. Yes. But like he's saying, he didn't realize that until after he was told that. Fair enough. So I just. Yeah. Mm. I, I, th- I <laughs> might like, be a hermeneutical elitist, too. I, I've I, I heard it before. <laughs> and it's always as like the the capstone of a good sermon on Hosea. You don't hear a lot of sermons on Hosea. Um, I watched a movie about Hosea. There was like a live action. It was wild. I don't I feel know. Like, I feel like I've heard an unhealthy amount of sermons on Hosea. Really? Yeah. He is kind of an easy minor prophet to preach from. Up there with like Jonah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you a dumb question? Always. If God is finished with creation... He's Why not. do we keep finding new species? <laughs> <laughs> this, guy is, this guy is Schrodinger's zoologist. Oh, An animal do we doesn't know this exist. Guy? Do we know this guy? No, we don't. Okay, good. Yeah, this is from a, an online chat. I go through so many apologetics groups, and this is where most of these questions are going to come from. Okay, um, so... Sorry, he's Joel. not done with creation because we're in the seventh day of creation, but that's fine. Uh, okay, oh, is you that just, why we keep discovering? You can't cases? just drop an hey, idea like that. Biblical theology for the win. Go study it. It's on par with like uh, were there whales on the ark? <laughs> to me, there was like <laughs> it's the same vibe. Well, yeah, because the ark's not real. But anyway, hey, hold on. <laughs> Oh, so your objection is that there was no ark, not that there were no whales. <laughs> My in objection there. is there's no animals. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Okay, so read the question out again. Not so much. Is it that hard? No. If God is finished with creation, why do we keep discovering new species? Okay, so Caleb, you dropped off the idea that God's not done with creation. We're in the seventh day of creation. However, the normal layman is not going to see that idea presented. Yeah, because that idea has nothing to do with the question. I'm sorry. Yeah, so day six of creation is done. Yeah. And <laughs> so the day fish, seven is never told to be like seven yeah. over. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Day seven. The point that Caleb's presenting is that in the creation story, day seven is not completed, which means we're still in day seven. And that's why when in revelation with the final city and the finale of creation, uh, the author of Hebrews yeah. picks this up explicitly. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the, the, but the normal person reading Genesis one and two is not going to pick that up immediately. And that's totally fine. However, and it's a theological argument, not an actual cosmological argument, which is what the question's doing. And so I forgive me. I'm sorry, Josh. I introduced something that you had nothing this, to do with it. You think this question is cosmological? <laughs> okay. Now we have to explain what cosmology is. Oh, shut up. Fine. Oh, you answer the question. Man, this episode's raw. You, you can't be using 15 letter terms in like a two word sentence. <laughs> Um, okay. So cosmology, no, 
Um, okay, so the, 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 <laughs> the major problem with the question is the idea that finding a creature is the safest yeah, God creating the issue, it. The fallacy in the question has nothing to do with the Bible. <laughs> it is that there, if we don't know a species is there, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Which is like, fair enough. It's like, I'm not going to call a horse a donkey because Adam called it a horse. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a dumb line of reason. Because oh, I read no. that in <clears throat> King James English. Yeah. Yes. And if King James was good enough for the disciples, it's good enough for me. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Josh hasn't heard those series of jokes yet. Um. Yeah. <gasps> Did either one of you guys come with the uh, Fundamentalist Baptist Church that... I found in second year. Steven no. Anderson? No. Oh. We talked about the heretics? Never mind. Never oh, mind. I'm sorry. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you yeah. mean actually going to a fundamentalist Baptist church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Uh, oh, crazy. it must have been Colton that I brought. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Colton and I, another episode. He's re- a Baptist, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for that trail. It's interesting. If you, if you have time, go check out other churches. It's kind of cool. So, Okay. Caleb, yes. Explain to me where are the animals coming from if we're just finding them, and God's not creating them, like under rocks and stuff. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. You know when you have a newer operating system and you try to run an old question, yeah. and the new operating system is just like, what is happening? Yeah. That's that's how Are I. Are you saying you're too smart for this question? No, what I'm saying <laughs> is, is no. What I'm saying is, I don't know how to answer the question because it doesn't conform yeah. to how I'm thinking. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say like if if uh, like we obviously just dumpstered this idea. If yeah. you found a new but, animal, yeah. where would you assume that came from? <laughs> it was there, right? Well, yes, because you, no, object permanence because object permanence is exists. No, but if God's done creating the world, why did you find something new? Because it was always there. Because object permanence. But it's not permanent because it wasn't. You, it wasn't there till you. <laughs> right, because my it. perception isn't reality. Oh, fair enough. Oh, <laughs> perception is reality. <laughs> well, that question kind of assumes that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's it, a- that is kind of an arrogant. It's, it's a very like first world thing to think is oh we've discovered everything where are all the new things coming from <laughs> and also right? that also here's the thing though the first part of the sentence i'm oh. glad we invented hawaii i have a place okay. to go on vacation now. okay so here's the other thing we can't answer this it. the other way as well god's not done creating yet because we're in the seventh day of creation mm-hmm. mm. so he, new creations he could be making new animals N- we, no yeah it's, sure, through like microevolution, sure. Yeah. And birth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's part of creation. Well, yeah. Okay, this man. This I'm going to do a next question. You guys you guys Can, have been irresponsible with what I've given you. What are you talking about? This is hilarious. No, it's good. Uh, I got an alien one for later, but Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna, so excited. It's get worse. Okay, here's here's one I actually uh, saw and I thought was Interesting, and we're going to talk about culture a little bit. Here's one for you. This is how it starts off the question. Okay. Here's one for you. Idol worship is obviously sinful. However, throughout the span of the Bible, excluding prophecies, 
there was no name brand clothing or television. Hold on. So wearing Disney clothing and going to the parks to meet Mickey Mouse, is this idol worship? It's a good Watching and voting for the next American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, or even college football, is this idol worship? Do you she she kind of got a little wayward there where she's like excluding prophecies where we talk about Disney. Um, but yeah, I have a question. Has this person ever actually seen or contemplated what idol worship looks like? Doesn't say. Okay. Um, no, in I, other times I that I've that seen question. idol worship, uh, you know, it, normally it has to do with like an actual idol and like, you know, giving it meat, praying to it, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think wearing a t-shirt with a logo on it is idol worship. Because, no. you know, that that's not anything closely related to idol worship that the Bible would be talking about. Would you like to hear the top comment? Yes. What? I would say sporting events are the highest form of worship. Could you imagine if Christians worship God like so many people worship their college football team or pro team? It's quite sad, honestly. We do. This is all Americans thinking that college football is popular everywhere, <laughs> and it's super not. But, but don't we? Um, kind of? We yes. all gather into big, okay, sometimes big buildings. <laughs> we don't gather as 17,000 people or 40,000 people. That's right, because we can't agree yeah. on what team we want to serve, play on. You're right. We want to serve. Right. <laughs> you just said we don't and know what team we want to serve. Church is not naturally supposed to be competitive. It's supposed no. to be collaborative. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. But there is a point where, like, there are people that are obsessed with Disney, Yes, that is yeah. an idol to them. That does not mean that it is an idol. Interesting. I think it is. You think so? Not an idol in the sense that it's a... It's op- an idol to them. But the thing itself is not an idol. Hmm. In... Do you want to specify... Um, so he's saying the relationship is what is idolatry. He is not saying the idol is what makes it idolatry. Yeah. Um, you can watch an old Mickey Mouse cartoon or yes. even a yeah. new one and not be engulfed in yeah. the culture that is Disney adults. You, you, and, right. I, you and I, one, one of us may have, um, both of us may have, uh, let's say, mm. icons of Mary. Right. Sure. One of us has it in our office because we like, let's say we, we like the art for one. We yep. like what it in pictures. We also like the fact that it communicates that there are Christians who disagree with me about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and thus it, it reminds me of, of, it reminds me of all these things like what art's supposed to do. Meanwhile, me, let's say, um, I have taken the Eastern Orthodox position way too far. And I legitimately think that that is a window or access to yes. the heavenly glories, and I pray to it. Yes. Is it an idol in your office? Same icon. He didn't ask if it's an idol. He asked if it's idol worship. Sure. Well, no, no, no. But this is the this is the point you're making. It's idolatrous. It's not an idol. Sure. So if it's idolatrous, right? If it's a, if I am worshiping a false God, like uh, if I am worshiping something other than God and that would be defined as idolatrous mm-hmm. and it is an idol to me, then it would be idol worship. Sure. So, and I think it's only an idol, like for example, like an idol of Molech, because we've decided to 
craft it into a god. Yeah, isn't this my definition of what I was arguing about? No, but I think if you make if you make it an idol for you, yes, if you are worshiping, it is an idol for me, but it's not to no, you. No, no, but if you make it, if you are idolatrously worshiping it, mm-hmm. right, it becomes an idol. But then, is the same thing an idol to you? Hmm. Like, I like did, if you you just yeah. said like seventy thousand people go to a football stadium and yeah. it is an idol for them. Yes, does that mean that you should abstain from football because seventy thousand people actually think it's an idol or behave as though it's an idol? Does that mean football? Is Can you an do idol? the same thing for a statue of Molech? I don't know. Because if that's I think, true, I think, I think that we we might it would be wise to make a distinction because yeah. we're blurring the lines way too much of full blown demonic idol worship in the classical sense, yeah. and mm-hmm. then the my heart has put something above God, yep. sense. Well, my issue with this question is her calling it idol worship mm-hmm. um, rather than idolatry. Yes, because that's idolatry is putting something before God mm-hmm. um, or beside God, depending on your translation. <laughs> yes, but the, the 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 nature of an idol is something that has been placed before God. You're right, but they are two different types of behavior. They may be they're they're maybe in the same category, but there's a very big distinction between the two. I would say idolatry is almost the ideological position that you are like that there is something that holds such a high place in your life that that is above all else. Mm-hmm. Whereas idol worship um, doesn't need to be monotheistic, doesn't need to be like an actual regimented thing. Um, well. I think also the putting, like let's say the modern sense, right, mm-hmm. can get into Augustine's uh, organization of like loves, right? Yep. You can put something that is good above yep. God, right? But idol worship full bore is worshiping of the demonic. You get that mm-hmm. from, that's the Old Testament position. Uh, I don't know if it is. You don't think so? No. You don't think Moses saying they are, Moses and Paul both agreeing. Like Paul goes the no, whole... No, I'm, I'm not saying that idol worship is, is not demonic. I just don't know if that's the Old Testament position as such. Because the Old Testament position, um, well, that, at least that, later, they, sorry. that they are, you could say that they are just images, that they and, are just rock, just wood, just this. So I'm saying this from the perspective of Ezekiel, so later on in the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. maybe we're just arguing from two sides of, of a uh, developed thought. Could but uh, a huge point of Ezekiel is nail down your idols, right? Like, yeah. so they don't fall off the wagon when well, you bring them around, like that kind of thing. Well, I think right? that there's there's, um, there's a distinction between, there's a distinction between the actual, let's say the icon itself, mm-hmm. right? It, it is just wood. It is just metal. It is just mm-hmm. stone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's their whole thing of like, those aren't, you say that's them, yeah, but they they don't have any power in of themselves, right? Yeah, and yet the that would be let's say the one critique of the Old Testament. But I think you have in in oh, I wish I could remember the chapter number um, in Deuteronomy. The whole thing is like no, but they worship gods. Mm-hmm. They're God. They worship evil gods. They worship yes, demonic. God. God tells uh, the Israelites mm-hmm. their gods are demons. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then Paul. In in his letter to Corinthians, he 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 um, does the whole thing of yeah you cannot be in fellowship with, and he's talking about communion. You cannot fellowship yeah. in communion with your with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and also fellowship with demons by eating meat sacrificed to idols. Yes, because both are food sacrifices. Yeah, yeah, um, food based rituals. Yeah, and so I think 
That is one form of, let's say, idolatry. And then the other, let's say the more modern one, which is what I think the, the actual question is. Mm-hmm. We're taking this question way more seriously than- No, I, no, no, this is good. Yeah, I think they're, I think what they're getting at there is a misorder of loves, which is what, let's say, mm. more Augustine would talk about, where it's like, you're putting your love of, let's say, something really good, right? like an entertainment thing. Because I think people, I think entertainment is good. Um, mm-hmm. But you're putting that way higher than it is. It's before God. But it's not a worshiping of demon in that yeah. in that classical understanding. Yes. Um, and I would agree on that. This is where somebody comes out and says Disney's demonic. And it'd be like, <laughs> ah, well, it's both true. Then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no, true. Um, I would agree. But I don't think the... I don't think it's idolatry versus idol worship. I think idol worship is just the definition of idolatry. And the difference is in, is it a demonic historically uh, bona fide false God versus something we've placed? Because like the only real difference between Horace and Mickey Mouse is, is that there's a history behind Horace and a culture and a nation and demons that have gotten involved over time. I sure hope that's in the intro. <laughs> the only <laughs> difference. <laughs> Whereas Mickey Mouse thing. is a new thing in, but if, if people start, you know, if we, if somebody creates a new false God in a pantheon, people start worshiping him, whole nations start worshiping him, blah, 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 blah. Then he becomes an idol. That's super interesting. Um, so you, <clears throat> because you're taking complete agency out of demonic activity, which is interesting to me. No, I um, think the demons are taking advantage of a moment. Because the yeah, de- I suppose the demons didn't invent Zeus. Elaborate. Uh, that's, that's actually, I don't know. I don't know if you can say that. Can you elaborate, please? <sighs> like, historically speaking, Zeus, like the Greek gods, come from like the Hittites and then come from Babylon. Sure. You're saying the demons, I don't see how that supports your argument. I don't see the, how that means that the influence of demons upon the Gentiles. Yes. So is is negated. Do, did the demons only act as gods once? I, I don't think so. Do they continue? Well, I've seen American gods. I haven't, but no. Uh, <laughs> what I mean is, is that did did the human create the deity, the worship of this false god, mm-hmm. right? And then the demon inhabit the idea and start acting out and manipulating people, pretending to be the god, or did the demon manifest itself in reality? People started worshiping it and calling it something. Sure. Um, this is what I mean. I don't know if we have answers to those questions, and I don't think we should presuppose our answers to those questions. But I'd say yes. Well, no, no, no but this is what I mean. Is so. <laughs> but I'm going to take a strong opinion and say you're wrong. If a thousand years ago somebody invented a god, mm-hmm. right, started worshiping some deity that historically is not related to those demons demon-infested idols, whatever. Right, like Talos. Yeah. You know, um, is if somebody worships, you know, a god on a video game, right, is that the same as worshiping a god that's 5,000 years old? 
I don't. Interesting. I don't. Mm, right. This is yeah. what I mean. Is so like the there's like there's a relationship between the history and the 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 cultural significance that is created around it. I think that's the difference. So you're saying Mickey Mouse is? No, I'm saying he demon. could be. But like is though, right? Wow, this took a turn I did not expect. <laughs> um, it's idolatrous. Mean? It's idolatrous either way but, because you're making it right, something right, right. other but, than God. So we're swinging back and forth between idols being physical things and idols being a state of mind, essentially. Because and and I I have a hard time between both of them. Because and then it, to bring it, the demonic aspect into it no, is no, no. like something so else. I'll, I'll use the longer sentence. Can, can I can I can I ask a question? Yes. Let's say demons are in the mouse. Yes. <laughs> well, they don't have to physically possess the costume. Mickey well, Mouse they, is in for but, <laughs> but like, but like, let's say they're in the, they're the ones pulling the levers at Walt Disney. Yes. Cool. Um, if that's true, then Christians really should have no part in them because then they're taking communion and, and doing, watching, uh, you know, Marvel, and that mm-hmm. would be bad. Well, we meet in a building on mass. We cheer, we celebrate, we buy their attire. And so you're agreeing. Hold on, hold on. I know you're not agreeing. I just <laughs> I want to know what you. We have specific places to watch movies about Marvel gods. Yeah, you're you're right. That is weird. Yeah. Um. What? How would you? Yes. I guess this is, this is getting more personal now again. How would you identify if demons are pulling the levers at Disney? I don't know. <laughs> This is crazy. This is a wild <laughs> conversation we've come into. And now I'm like, you know, I'm going to be checking for rapture hatches next time. I'm the um, no, I honestly, I don't know. I, I'm just exploring this idea. Um, you're yeah. talking like, you know, Okay, so it's really easy. So here's the thing. I honestly think you can go to Disney or watch a Marvel movie without worshiping a false idol, but you don't have to. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, but what I mean is that when we say that that gold statue over there, right, is demon possessed, that somebody worships. But this stone statue outside of Disney is not demon possessed, but people still worship it. Why? What is the difference? I think I think there might be a difference of how they worship. Okay. I would say the difference is one has a demon in it. No, but how do you know is what I'm saying. Because one is like straight up actually worshiping it in like, let's say, explicit terms. Okay. And then the other is, I might just be defaulting back to my opinion before we went on this line, long <laughs> yeah. line, a misorder of loves, hmm. which can be influenced by demons, but explicit worship is straight up demons. Okay. Because here's the thing, because you have all the same characteristics. Other than, you know, one being explicitly... I worship Moloch and the other one's like, anyway, let's go watch your mouse <laughs> no. and it's, it's going to be my personality. <laughs> but at the time, the people worshiping it don't know it's demon possessed. They think it's a legitimate God. Right. Right. And so if they start, if people started straight up saying Mickey Mouse is God. Yes. Then, then I would say that's demons. <laughs> but we also live in a world where people. I hate this. What have you made me say? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome t-shirt. <laughs> Well, no, it's... I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> well, because no, here's the thing. We also live in a secular world where people don't believe gods exist, yet they still worship. 
I barely believe we live in a secular world anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, but this is what I mean is they think they do. Just like the people in 5,000 years ago thought they were worshiping an actual God. People today don't think there are gods and yet they're still acting in mm, worship. Fair mm. enough. The devil's greatest trick <laughs> is making us believe he didn't exist. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So a trick that actually okay. is applicable to this. <laughs> you know what? Well, I still hold my opinion. That is a good critique. I'm going to have to think about that. Okay. Okay. Now that we've answered that question. <laughs> and let's just leave this completely unanswered. <laughs> so I would say, like, if we were going to give it a definitive answer, it's probably yeah, four yes. Five. Probably yes, right? Oh, four out of five. Or no? It's either yes I, or no. The answer I would give, I think, in, maybe. in the limited wisdom I have in my brain, yeah. would be, do you, in the enjoyment of going to Disney... Mm-hmm. Do you see this thing as something that is valuable in your life that without it, it would make your life worse? What? Right? Like, do if you, would if you, you sacrifice your firstborn child? <laughs> here's, here's my hot take. Well, I'm going to end this one with Please. Uh, Disneyland is Mecca for unadjusted adults. <laughs> That's why kids go missing there. Yes. Uh, next question. No, no but just wait. No, no. What I mean is, is that like, if this is something that like, if it was removed from your life would like, actually like you would get depressed from it yeah right and it's just mickey mouse yeah but like that metric also works for your spouse <sighs> okay that's not the same thing don't make that a thing that's not the same thing <laughs> have a better metric josh you know what? Yeah, i will i don't so, have the same relationship with my wife what is I do the with mickey mouse <laughs> well, no kate if you're a christian and you're a marvel fan how much time are you spending going to church being involved in your community loving Christ, spending time in the word versus watching movies on repeat. About versus, three and a half uh, end games. Yeah. Versus how many, like, do you go in with the full suit of armor? Thor's full suit of armor with 20 friends, watch all the Marvel movies before every single movie comes out and then go, maybe there's a problem. Maybe this is consuming your identity because if it's consuming your identity, then it's image. It's changing who you are rather than God changing who you are. Yes. So like, that's the point in which it becomes worship. But if you're just going to it because you're like, Hey kids, we're running a youth ministry and we want to go have fun. Let's go watch this movie about guys beat up. So we got back to it's idolatry for you. Anyway, uh, Joel, (laughs) can you please just another question, please? (laughs) Um, yeah, this one's a little bit like back to home, a little more theology based. Um, as I'm reading Matthew, I have an odd question. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God, and the second is to love your neighbor. But he says the second is like it. And my brain kind of got stuck, which I love that <laughs> phrase. <laughs> what makes them alike? Why is there an enter- extra interjection that makes them because um, humans are similar. made in the image of God. You think that's the straight up answer? And so. you can't do either without the other. Yep. Mm. If, if you can't love God seriously. And hate your brother. And I think hate your brother. That's, a that's his other command, <laughs> right? Um, and you can't love humanity for who they are without seeing them for who they are, which means you have to understand and love God and see him in them. Mm. And you will truly love humanity. Yeah. By first loving God. Yeah. Human as a... Peugeot would say you're there's a vertical and a horizontal component. The horizontal is the love between humanity. The vertical is the love with God. Peugeot Thanks. did not come up. Yeah. With that. That's a, yeah. that is a, no, 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 no. One. it's just, yeah, that's yeah. just the most recent one that you've heard recently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, 
Yeah. New it also upon the same idea. Fits the structure of the Ten Commandments perfectly. Yes. Which yeah. means it summarizes even the law before Christ. Um, which I believe he says that. Yeah, no, he, yeah. he does. Um, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't call it the Decalogue. That's but, you know, awesome. That's, that's, a, cool. that, that's, that's a good person, question. That's right? a great it's question. Very good. Yeah. Um, dude's, dude's thinking while he's reading his Bible. Good for him. Yep. And let's bring it back into Disney somehow. <laughs> so aliens. Um, <laughs> currently in a debate about aliens with my husband. This is a, mm. uh, not me talking. <laughs> this is a, this is a <laughs> oh. question. Um, I don't believe in them at all because nothing in the Bible supports that idea. The my <laughs> husband, however, thinks that too many things could have been lost in translation or misinterpreted in the Bible over the years. So there's a lot of the Bible that's even been proven wrong. So then in that case, there's nothing to say that aliens can't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, For more context, I'm non-denominational and he's Catholic. (laughs) No, he's not. (laughs) Okay, just wait. Hang on. He's not a very good Catholic. uh, Catholics can absolutely believe in aliens. Yeah, yeah. but Catholics can't go, the Bible's wrong. (laughs) Like, yeah, they value tradition, but it's also the word of God. (laughs) Uh, Caleb. Do you want to lay out all your critiques of this guy's question? Um, Let's just 1v1, because I know what side I'm on, and I know what side you're on. Um, Just because it's not mentioned in the Bible doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, like North America. Yeah. Like, there was a whole no, nother... No, 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 no remember. Are you, saying, are you saying America wasn't mentioned in the Bible? <laughs> Dude, I'm I've saying read, that there's I've a whole... Revelation. <laughs> no, there's a whole nother continent that's not talked about with whole other civilizations of whole other groups of people that are just not And that's there. why the Book of Mormon was brought... <laughs> I'm sorry. Jeez Louise. I've this is an episode. This is yeah, something. This is something. Um also, yeah, the the Bible his argument is not a good rebuttal. Um, N- neither of their arguments both yeah. of their arguments presuppose something wrong about the Bible itself. <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's break down these two arguments, okay? Oh. So one is that aliens cannot exist because there's nothing in the Bible about them. The other one is aliens could exist because there may have at one point been something about them in the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. What do they agree on? They agree that currently there's nothing about aliens in the Bible. I disagree with that point. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I'm glad we got to the common denominator. So I've recently been reading. Oh, no. Don't do this. (laughs) Don't do this. I'm good because I'm bored. Read. Uh, oh, no, are you I'm, bringing up the chariot? It's not a chariot, dude. It's it's God's it's throne. Saucer. No, um, <laughs> I was I was actually reading it because uh, I noticed there were slight bits of apocalyptic literature just slipped in there. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, just nuances mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, it's um, good. Proto-apocalyptic. Let's talk about nuance after, actually. But um, <clears throat> we got to talk about if aliens are real first, guys. Anyway. No, that's okay. If aliens came to Earth, this is hypothetical. This is very like like podcast garbage that we don't usually talk about. This is our, this, this is our is most generic <laughs> podcast for sure. Yeah, it's kind of tanking to be honest with you. Well, yeah, because we keep explaining our explanation. Continue. Yeah, let's explain the explanations. So, if aliens were to come to Earth, what do you do? Youth group? Like what? <laughs> like what? What, is, what does it change about Christianity? Okay. Oh, Josh is taking this real. He's he's getting up out of his lounging <laughs> yeah. position. What are you going to get a sign? Oh, real t- time? Okay. Aliens. Great for the Gorgons or The what? better example that she should have brought up is that Genesis 1, 
limits all of creation to an Earth-centric focus. Yeah, it's because that's what they understood, but that doesn't mean that... I understand. I understand. The dome is home. I, <laughs> I don't believe in, in aliens, but I, all, I believe in aliens, but I also believe in the firmament. <laughs> There's got to be something under us, right? No, no, no. But if that's the place you're going to go, that's it. The other thing is if we are sinful, we brought sin to the world, Right. There's the whole discussion of, is it just us that's sinful? And the groaning pains that the earth feels is us being a bad regent over creation? Or is it that act the entire universe was corrupted by evil? If that is true, if aliens do exist and they are sentient like us, in some way relating us at all in their consciousness or their relationship to God, did we cause them to be sinful by causing all of creation to be sinful? See, I actually think that all of humanity was sinful, right? And then we grew, had great civilization, and then the flood was actually a a galaxy-wide... The Younger Dryas event. Yeah, it was actually a cosmic... Guys, um, we were getting somewhere. Oh man, you're tanking this. No, leave leave it alone for a minute. I'm being serious for a second. I don't want to. Okay, I'm being serious for a second. Just so, can I finish? No. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, Caleb I'm was, just saying. And then if they come and they're serious. violent, are they violent because of our sin that we brought into the world, or did they have their own fall event? Does is there a Christ that relates to them if they're sentient? Mm. Right. So like, there's this whole: Are they saved if they know about Christ? Right. So like aliens bring that kind of conversation. I don't think it is a problem that they exist. Mm -hmm. I don't like you're saying, like, do we hold youth group? Like, what does it do for Christianity? I don't think it does anything strong. There's no strong argument against it because God didn't mention a whole nother continent. Right. That the whole nother groups of people. So like there, the, there are things about creation we're finding all the time. Right, that are not explicitly presented. Oh, he's we, just creating them as we <laughs> yes, found as we found out earlier. <laughs> yeah. No, so the problem is not is God capable of creating aliens? Yeah. Did he create aliens? Right, or if aliens exist, is God real? Right, because God's a creative being; he can create whatever he wants. God didn't create them because we haven't found them. <laughs> <laughs> Which it works the, both ways. The problem is just what is our relationship going to be to them? Yeah. As people that believe in a God, do they even, if they're conscious, but aren't made of the image of God, do they even have a relationship with him? Do they, could they even conceive of him? So I would, right? Like, so like, that's the fun games you have to play with the alien conversation. It's not, does God exist? Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting because the church has kind of responded to this stuff before because they thought there were like weird mystical people that lived on earth as well. And they're like, Oh, there's people that aren't humans on earth. Mm -hmm. Can they be saved? Yes. Except they were just like, you know, dwarves, (laughs) mystical creatures. Anyways, um, (laughs) not actual dwarves. (laughs) Like what kind of dwarves? (laughs) The mystical ones. So my thought is there were, I'm I'm someone who happens to believe. Do you in in an intelligent uh, being outside um, of humans? Of humans, like angels, like maybe angels and demons. So I'd have a hard time not going der- doom eternal on their ass. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> can't hear. <laughs> um, 
But yes, that does bring Actually, up I shouldn't can- record that and put that into the world because then when they show up. Yeah. Then you said, oh, man. You're persona non grata number one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to be their enemy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because if they, if they, anyways, it's a, it's a great conversation. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, so, um, where we've decided to go back to the question at the beginning, right? And answer it yes or no, I think. Um, yes or no? Yes. Does the Bible say anything against the existence of angels? Angels? No, no I, aliens. Aliens. No. <laughs> does it say anything to support the existence of aliens? It's no, by the way, Josh. No, it does, because there are beings, there are sentient creatures that are not from Earth that God created, as he pointed out. You know that's not what he means by aliens. No, I know. Okay. But I'm saying that the idea of God creating sentient things that are not humans. So who do you think wins in this argument, the husband or the wife? The wife. The wife who says that... Well, because she actually the, believes in the Bible. That's, yeah, that's, that, that's a good, That's a big win. <laughs> Doesn't believe in denominations, but... <laughs> the Bible. Where do they go on Sunday? Probably on vacation. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, man, I wonder if one's denominational. So that way they don't have to go to church. Is this Catholic, person a fan? So they don't have to go to yeah. church. Is this person a fan? Or did I, you just I find this on Reddit? You. No, I just found it. Okay. I just I'm wondering the internet. Um... Yeah, no, I, I, the alien conversation is fun. I enjoy it. So, I believe that the word nuance has become the term mysticism for progressives. Oh my gosh, that's such a wild statement. You sound like my uncle. Yeah. I don't even have an uncle that would say that. Okay, you're going to have to explain because nobody knows what mysticism is so, and nobody knows why nuance and mysticism are the same thing. When a... Um, when a hmm, denomination, I, I would say like a more orthodox or mainline church, um, when, a, when a Christian runs up against something that they don't understand, there's sometimes an appeal to mystery. And in something closer to a, a Catholic um, understanding, they'll say um, that the, you know, they'll appeal to mysticism. And uh, for a more Pentecostal person like myself, it usually sounds more like, hey, you can ask God when you die. <laughs> but what they really mean is it's an appeal to mystery. And that's the way it is. And we don't understand it. Normally, it's, <clears throat> it's a fallback. Normally, that's a forced position based on there appears to be alternative presentations of the idea mm-hmm. within scripture. And the idea and the whole concept being that as Josh has brought up on other episodes, that uh, that creates tension, and it's to get mm-hmm. people to focus, reflect, dwell, and look for God in the tension. Yeah, um, they're they're wells of infinite depth mm-hmm. that you can continue to go down. Yeah. Okay. But are you saying just somebody saying it's nuanced? This idea is nuanced. Yes. Uh, so what I've been seeing from um, more progressive Christians. Yeah. Um, people who are borderline universalists have a hard time aligning with any denomination. Their you excuse really will be pinning yeah. down these people. I feel like I'm being too broad. Um, <laughs> so, like, I don't want to tell, just me, name tell me them. who they really are. <laughs> it's Colton. No, I'm oh, no. <laughs> no, Continue I'm with your um, example. I find that when they can't explain something, don't touch my foot, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is uh, this episode? <laughs> this episode is crumbling. It's what happens when you let me lead an episode, I think. Um, yes, yeah, so I think when uh, a more progressive Christian has this confrontation with mystery, rather than allow that tension to exist, they want this nuance to exist. And what nuance does rather than mystery is say, we can both be right instead of we're both not there. And so that's something I just wanted to call out and wanted to see if you guys had a a thought on it. I think the problem with the person saying it's nuanced versus tension Mm -hmm. is a misapplication of the word nuance. Like, it's not the a it's, you're taking a nuanced view of this. <laughs> this is metacognitive, dude. <laughs> wow. So, I'm sorry. I said they're wrong, <laughs> not <laughs> nuanced. <laughs> this is Stuart's favorite word, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just think they're using the word wrong. It's a wrong definition of the word nuanced. Okay, fair enough. I think that's it. Um, yeah. I mean, oftentimes, uh, like I said, if it puts a damper on the conversation, I think that sometimes an appeal to mystery can also be used inappropriately. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, if the, if the appeal of mystery is not a defined mysterious point that God has presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, there is incredible assurance in knowing that God is completely just and however the world is ordered, how it ought to be ordered, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, is, is how it ought to be ordered. And that mm-hmm. even in times of nuance and mystery, there is a, a solidity to the character and, you know, purpose of God. Well, and I think, and the reason why you get more quote unquote mystery mm-hmm. in the, not just the high churches, um, but more specifically, Eastern Orthodox is because of their um, emphasis on how the essence of God is ultimately unknowable by the uh, by His creation, because hmm. we are infinite. He is infinite. And we are finite, right? That's why they they have their their negative theology. I'm forgetting the the, the technical term for it. Um, cataphanic, Cat- something like that. Um, negative theology instead, saying what God is not, because to say what God is is to have a is to say something of like is to go so far, right? Like how mm-hmm. are you going to go? Yeah, anyway, you get the point. Um, it, furthermore, there's also a distinction in there. Western theology is far more uh, bought into the the, the Thomist, the simplicity of God, right? Um, all of His attributes, all at the same mm-hmm. time, all at once, mm-hmm. right? Um, whereas the Eastern Eastern tradition within Christianity separates God's essence and his God's energies. Yes. There's a big distinction there. And we can know God by his energies, by his actions in his in the world, but we will never know the essence of God. So mm-hmm. the so to uh, be understanding or encountering the essence of God in the western world, in the western the, the Christian theolo- theological world is brought into the beatific vision. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the East, it's just not. That is impossible. You cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of that, and because so much of Christian theology is coming to know God, growing in the likeness of Christ, um, we are in, we are unified with Christ, especially with Eastern Orthodox theology of rather than sanctification, but instead the- theosis or deification, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have 
there is way more, they're way more forced to say, this is a mystery. This is a mystery. This is a mystery because mm-hmm. their articulation of the, really the essence of God, their understanding of God has, has embraced this idea of, well, he's infinite. How could we possibly yeah. get to know him? And Which I can respect in a lot of ways, <clears throat> even if I disagree with some of their conclusions. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, for definitions has always been a problem for us in our conversations. So let's, I pulled up the definition of nuanced so we all know mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Nuance means a subtle difference in or a shade of meaning, expression, or sound, or a subtle variation. So if someone's disagreeing on it, like a slight mm-hmm. technicality, yes, it is nuanced, but that yeah. saying it's nuanced doesn't mean you're equally as right. Yeah. It requires distinction still. Yes. But oftentimes it's used to mean subjectivity. Yes. Yeah. I believe it's the splintering before a breakaway is a lot of times. But then again, we rarely and ever. You, you, more than anybody else, and this is a one of my favorite parts about you, you speak in one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got time, you know? <laughs> um, no, I was, I was going to say... Uh, in our conversations, we almost never fully agree with each other. Mm-hmm. There's always like, a, okay, that's that's a fair way to see it, but uh, not me. <laughs> well, I mean, even to the point is, Caleb and I's position on idolatry was nuanced. Yeah. Like, even just as you were looking up the definition of nuanced, mm-hmm. a little bit of me was like, that's not how you find definitions. <laughs> Right? argue about them incessantly until you agree. No, but as you have conversations, the <laughs> definitions of terms become part of that conversation. Yeah, I don't feel like reinventing language. That's what you're doing by using language. Yeah, like, yes, but there's there's rules. Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joel, do you got another question or is this it? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've messed around in the nuance of mystery and nuance. Here's the thing. This is going to be a short episode. So unless you can think of something really fascinating. It's not that short of an episode. We're at an hour now. Minus uh, that massive flip-flopping around at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep going. Yeah. Okay. Then I guess we'll keep going. Um, Just one second. I had one other question here. Josh, how often should communion be done? Oh... I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm just I'm not going mean, to say anything. There is one blaring verse that says whenever you meet, mm-hmm. whenever you gather. Um, there's a, I, hmm. I don't think it's required every single time you meet. <laughs> hang on, hang on. You just quoted the Bible. <laughs> Yeah. Which said the opposite. Okay. Okay. So, I, I said I wasn't going to fight you on this. You made it very hard. Because the problem comes, right? If it, because the qualification is whenever you gather, right? Does that mean whenever a bunch of church people get together in a parking lot, they don't worship? Hmm. Like they read the Bible together, right? Do they have Bible to do communion? At every kids group at every youth group at yeah yeah you yeah, know i i get that yeah. i get that um i think the qualification should be when you gather to do communion like do this the way it is i don't 
I think that that's taking. No, I said I wasn't going to fight on this. Okay. <laughs> no, and I understand where that can go. I think. I think I disagree. That's fair. At what point then should it be? I think he's reminding them that when you gather, yes, remember to do this. Yes, not when you gather to do this. Remember to do this. Mm-hmm. And so the quote unquote nuance would be when you gather for like a service. Yeah, remember to do this. Yes. However. The issue is they're still meeting together to do uh, like a full covenantal meal style, mm-hmm. right? And so he's not talking services there. He's talking gathering at one of the houses, one of the believers' yes. houses and doing that. Which would have just been church at the time. Mm-hmm. But they didn't always happen on Sunday. You'd be talking at a different night. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm still mm-hmm. reading through how the early church would handle that. Yeah. Um and I think that that's the lens by which we should probably contextualize what he's saying. Yeah. But if we're not going to go that route and we're just going to go from surface level, I think, because it, your, your presentation, I think, if yep. I'm not, it, if I don't, if, if I don't sound too accusatory, I, is that it's every time you intend to gather to do this, remember to do this. Well. Rather than every time you gather, hey, remember to do It should be this. regular. It should be patterned. It should be something your church does purposefully, mm-hmm. as much as respectfully. This is the other sacrament. Mm-hmm. This is baptism is the sacrament of entrance. Communion is the sacrament of what's the word? While you're in the group, anyways. Um, and it should be done regularly as part of the Christian life, not something you get to do yeah. or something you're, okay, let's do it now. Mm-hmm. It's regular. So if, it, if well, Joel is looking mm-hmm. for, for some other questions in real time, I have my own uh, questions to talk about. Okay, then. Yeah. So like, for example, certain denominations do it once a month. Yeah. Most, I think most yeah. evangelicals do. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't think that's bad, but I can understand why we should do it more. I think I think there's there should be a distinction between bad and suboptimal. Yes, right. I, bad kind of in, has a connotation of being wholly negative. Yeah, I also have a optimal has become like a alpha male workout, do the cold plunge in the morning kind of word now. Like, let's try to optimize every aspect of life kind of thing and like yeah okay um different question then yes how would you define sacrament um so sorry, now I'm, yeah. I'm, i don't want you to to yeah now i'm just like i guess grilling you on uh, on some systematics um and i don't want you to just go define what baptism is and define what the eucharist yep. is no i know but what is a sacrament what yep. do they both share what um, makes them sacraments yes a religious ritual created for the purpose created and instituted by god as a command for the religious life of the believer. Why isn't marriage a sacrament then? It's not commanded to all for the Christian life. 
It's not an institute Um, created as part of the worship and life of Christ. Can I, can I ask you a couple questions then? Um, Because I'm I'm beginning to realize, not just beginning to realize, there are many different um, articulations of what is a sacrament. And this will determine whether one thinks that there are only two, Mm -hmm. one thinks that there are seven, or whether that there are two sacraments and And then everything else is sacramental. And that there is an infinite amount of things that are sacramental. Okay. Um, Which if I'm going to show my hand, that is closer to the position that I am slowly taking. Mm -hmm. Um, If... As let's say, I, th- I think you would maybe know more being in a reformed tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, sacraments are articulated as dispensaries of God's grace in the covenantal relationship of God. Yes. Okay. Um, the sacraments, the two that we that that, that were instituted by Christ, yeah. are the not just perhaps normative, although you could say just normative, but the the expected mm-hmm. way that people participate in that, and they they are yeah. normative of the Christian experience. Yes, cool. Um, but you're right, marriage is not. But does God's grace still come to the person through that? Does God's grace come through singleness? Yes, yes. So is singleness a sac- sacramental? Maybe on the, the same level as marriage. Maybe, yeah. Okay. But the the idea the idea in the other would be that um, when the person is participating in the taking that reformed definition of sac- sacrament, mm-hmm. if you take a different definition, then all of this falls apart. Yep. That's which I'm, yeah, I, I I get that. Yep. Um, I'm not necessarily defending the reformed position. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. I, I'm just saying with that with that definition. Yeah. Um, if we're gonna you know kick the ball down the road a little bit, mm-hmm. um. As the person grows in sanctification, grows in the in the body of Christ, as the kingdom of God is built around them in the community um, and through them in their life, and the ultimately the idea would be their lives and the lives around them are transformed. Um, the overall the the things adjacent to them, the things that that they mm-hmm. partake in, are also being redeemed. Yep, and. The, and this, you, you can easily see where this is going. And then that's those things which are being redeemed, which are now being made whole by God's grace, by his kingdom, um, through the individual, through his church, those become uh, part of the grace of God that's being given to those those people, right? And yes. More in like, more in, like a, in that, uh, that uh, uh, what's that, what's the term? Uh, general grace mm-hmm. type of sense, right? Yeah. Um, but more specifically to to the to um, his things are his people, yeah. Um, and if if your definition of sacrament is a dispensary of grace, then those things would be you could call those things sacramental. But how wide does that go? The idea would <clears throat> would be, uh, however wide God's kingdom okay. goes. Absolutely, and and then and then that's where the idea that you get with some Catholics, some or Eastern yeah. Orthodox, some Anglicans, where in the end it's like, ultimately the whole world becomes a you, yes. You realize the whole world becomes a sacred space, sacramental. Absolutely, um, but there's a yeah. there's a definitional difference between those two and everything else. Exactly, exactly. I, I think that's the, the, the point distinction of would have to be have to yeah. be strong and hard. Yeah. Right. Um, 
because yes. although that may be the definition of a sacrament, I yeah. think of the two this that were instituted be, by Christ, there's an additional thing. First the, of all, they they are the things by which the kingdom is entered and participated in. So they're yes. above anything, any other sacramental thing that happens in or adjacent to the kingdom. Yes. They're explicitly ritual, whereas everything else becomes. They're, they're explicit forms of like actual worship yeah. in relationship to God as that are normative and expected for yeah. the Christian experience. And, but then in the new creation, everything becomes yeah. worship because, and that goes back to the, re, re, the reformed idea of, and many other traditions, but like of everything you do is worship in either not yeah. glorifying or glorifying God. And I think we should point out that that's not the reformed position as in when we say reformed in the 21st century way, yeah. the reformed is in any reformed church in the reformation yes. thought that way. Yeah. Meaning, yeah. meaning, you know, Anabaptists, yeah. um, Presbyterians, well, yeah. they would be both, but Anglicans, yeah. Mennonites, that, yeah. Yeah. Every aspect of life becomes, is worship. Becomes part of that sacramental view. Which you see they wouldn't in use the, that word. Which you see in the Old Testament of the idea of you sin all these other days and then do the sacrifices on the Sabbath and you expect that to be okay. Mm -hmm. It's just like, no, you're living all of this sin out and expecting that this will cover it. Mm -hmm. And so like the further they take it is just like, no, everything we do is worship to God or worship to something else. Yeah. Which goes back to the idolatry thing. It's like, it's all connected. (laughs) Everything is religious. Yes. (laughs) Um, And C.S. Lewis makes a good image of this, where when you are living in the Christian version of marriage versus the the worldly version of marriage, or the the way I would treat you as a Christian versus how I would treat you as a secular person, uh, sorry, a non-Christian, is you're living in the new creation Mm -hmm. as it's coming into the world. Yeah. So the more and more I study Anglicanism, the more and more I read and the more and more I'm shocked at how good of an Anglican C.S. Lewis was. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> but also didn't let it dominate his vocabulary to the point where he couldn't communicate with other denominations. Well, yeah. because he's a master at images. Yeah. He, anyways, yeah. let's 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 spend another five minutes on a podcast talking about how much we love C.S. Lewis. <laughs> oh, I heard a hot take about C.S. Lewis. Um and it was about him and, and Tolkien. Mm. And uh, he goes, everyone should try and write like Tolkien, and hopefully they'll be able to write like C.S. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is an unnecessary dunk on him, but the guy was an expert. Because here's the... Th- C.S. Lewis and Tolkien's relationship is hilarious. Mm. It's so weird. Because Tolkien hated everything he wrote, except for his love letters to his wife. I honestly... I relate to that a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know and, if I've ever written anything. And Tolkien anyway. hated everything his friends wrote, too, including C.S. Lewis's books. I relate books. to that a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but C.S. Lewis had such grace. <laughs> it, yeah, C.S. Lewis would just be like, this is good. Like, he wrote Tolkien into his books. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> like, you're the old uh, landlord. You're the, you're the guy from the, yeah. the boy, the magician's nephew. Yeah. Oh, I wrote you in my story too. What are you? You're a talking tree. It's really old and takes forever to say anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Just funny because C.S. Lewis's books are significantly smaller than Tolkien's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I couldn't find any more questions that weren't just goofy, right? Like, we could talk about if giants exist. We could talk about, like, old dumb... We've done that before. We've done that. You guys can save that for when I'm not here. <laughs> I might even... <laughs> well, it's very obvious what uh, Genesis 6-4 is saying. You know? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just did a sermon on Enoch, so we can talk about that all we want. It's not a sermon. What's the if- purpose of the Apocrypha? The purpose? Yeah. Like- Do you want the Belgian Confession answer? Sure. Actually, yes. Um, the answer is, I'm going to paraphrase here, yep. but it's, uh, they're not inspired scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be helpful in the study of scripture and the times and the world. Are they helpful towards, uh, in examples of behavior as well? So far as they agree with the already inspired word. Sweet. So the 39 articles are the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so you shouldn't, if they disagree with the, the biblical text, don't. If they agree, it's probably because they were inspired by the writers of the Apocrypha saw the Bible and were like, I like that. So, Uh, Joel, do you want to end this? No, I want to give my two cents of the Apocrypha. Okay. Fire away. as much as you can. Uh, Does the Pentecostal uh, position also have a formulated answer? Well, as long as the Holy Spirit is speaking through them in a reader response area, it's probably as good as the Bible. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Stop being mean. Whoa. Josh said something really mean to me. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I you said a hot take, so I had to give a hot take Out for blood. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. The apocrypha. Well, I learned about it about a month ago. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the official position of the Pentecostals is what is that? <laughs> um. I don't know, man. I, I think that uh, your take is just about as good as anything else. Is like, what are we, what are we supposed to say? It's not written down. <laughs> like, well, no. I think the average evangelical oh. opinion is that it presents itself as scripture, but it is not. Therefore, it is evil. The thing to know is that it's not scripture. Yeah. So that when you see the Testament of Abraham I, or the writings of Noah, you know mm-hmm. that that's not something you just accidentally didn't memorize in your Bible. Yeah. However, right? this is, some of them are historical and some of them are not. Yes. And some of them are mentioned in yeah. other parts of the Bible. And yes. so I think evangelicals should probably are, be able to identify um, pseudopigrapha yep. and mm-hmm. apocrypha as different things, but they yes. don't. Yeah. Um, well, most of them don't even know that the pseudopigrapha exists. Yeah. So, like... We should have an episode just on the pseudopigrapha. We'll have it on both. Yeah, definitely. I'd be down. Two episodes, one on the apocrypha, now one on the pseudopigrapha. That'd be, that'd be fun. There'd be a lot of overlap, but it'd be fun. Yeah. Because there are book series that cross. Like, First Enoch is in the apocrypha. Two to five is in the pseudopigrapha. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the book of Maccabees, one through four... Mm-hmm. The books of Maccabees one through four is about Hanukkah. What's that? Phil's got a good look. I'm I'm just very happy. Um, I just got a, a message on Instagram. Ooh, uh, from the Christian comedian Bob Smiley. <laughs> okay, it's not even a joke. I've been following that guy since I was twelve years old. Did I he have s- a question for the podcast? No, I sent Sorry. him a meme. <laughs> <laughs> Like on your personal account. <laughs> on my personal account, uh, I sent him a... Anyways. Uh, do we want to end this? <laughs> yeah, sure. Anyways, that was really exciting for me. That's almost as good as the time that KFC uh, messaged me for my birthday. You remember that? <laughs> no. That was awesome. Anyways. 
Um, Colonel Sanders himself. That's true. For my birthday, all my friends messaged the KFC Canada account, and they uh, reached out to me and messaged me on my personal account. Said happy birthday. Wow. It was it was really special for me. Uh, let's just end the podcast because I feel like I've said all I need to say. Thanks for letting me get this episode off my chest. <laughs> Have a good week. Hmm.